0: Hey there, thanks for joining us. This podcast is put out into the world by Living Water Community Church, located in Ypsilanti, Michigan. I'm Pastor Clark Cawthorn. If you'd like to know more about Living Water, or if you'd like to drop us a note, or if you've got a question, or if you'd like to have us pray for you, head on over to lw-cc.org. Now, let's join today's podcast in progress. Morning, church. It's uh, wonderful to be able to be before you once again uh, this morning. Um, It's a a real joy, great privilege to be able to stand here to open God's word and to share something of uh, of His word with you all this morning. So, thank you for the privilege and the opportunity. I certainly don't take it lightly or for granted. Uh, Let's just continue again in prayer, shall we? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the wonderful words we've been able to sing in these past few moments together. We thank you for the Lord Jesus and for the gift of your spirit to us, Father. As we open your word, help us to know that it is flawless, holy, all-powerful. Lord, minister your grace to our hearts, change our lives, renew our minds, be glorified in us and through us we pray for Jesus' sake. Please help us now. We consider your word to us this morning. Amen. If you were here last week, uh, thanks for coming back this week. Um, If you were here last week, you'll know that uh, I began last week for the four Sundays that uh, I'm preaching here. Um, a mini-series, if you will, looking at the life and times of Moses and uh, God in the experience of this particular individual and through Moses, God in the experience of God's own people. And we count ourselves today, don't we, as being grafted into Israel. We are God's own people, the apple of God's eye. We are precious in So I shared with you uh, last Sunday morning, uh, Exodus uh, chapter 1 through 2, chapter 10 of chapter 2. I'm going to be continuing this morning on from where we left off last week. So if you have a Bible, uh, maybe on your phone, maybe kind of a hard copy, you know, one of these archaic kind of versions, uh, feel free to turn with it, uh, turn in it with me to Exodus chapter 2 and commencing at verse 11. Uh, I want to just kind of just say right at the outset here, between verse 10 and the beginning of verse 11, just in that little bit of white space, uh, there's a, a gap of 40 years that's unfolded. All right? So just a tenth of the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, just just right there. All right? Um, so, verse 11, Exodus chapter 2. One day... After Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Glancing this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews, Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to rule their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? He asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son and Moses named him Gershom saying, I have become an alien in a foreign land. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. There's two kinds of people in this world. Those who enter a room and say, here I am. And those who enter a room and say, there you are. I suppose it begs the question of each one of us, which kind of camp do we fall in? Well, Moses, at the age of 40, would have been in the camp, I guess, that said, here I am. He was, I imagine, somewhat kind of pleased with himself and with life. Uh, Stephen, the first Christian martyr, his words recorded for us in Acts chapter 7, uh, tell us that, that Moses was gifted both in word and deed. A man of power. People would have looked up to him. He was respected. You've seen the film, haven't you? When Moses was in the midst, you knew that he was there. There was no denying or escaping it. Moses was, uh, I guess, kind of full of himself. I mean, imagine being in Moses' sandals. From a baby, he had been raised in all of the wisdom and learning of the Egyptians. He had the best tutors. He ate the best of food. If he wanted it, he had it. Wouldn't that be nice? He walked the corridors of power. He wore the finest clothing, the best jewelry. He drove the fastest chariot. In fact, he didn't just have one. He had a whole garage full of chariots. You know. He had it made. Everything was going well. And I guess, um, well, no, I don't guess, because Stephen, Acts chapter 7, tells us that somehow he knew in his heart at this time that he was going to be the one to lead God's chosen people, that the Hebrews, because he was a Hebrew, right? And he, he must have known that. That he was the one who was going to lead God's people, Israel, out of bondage and slavery, the Pharaoh in Egypt. He was the one, he was the deliverer. And he kind of knew that in his heart, and then one day, we read that, that he goes and uh, he sees an Egyptian slave driver kind of beating up on, on a poor, weak, vulnerable Israelite. And uh, acting in the flesh. You always know you're acting in the flesh, don't you? And I know you can share this Moses encounter just the same as I can, we can identify with looking this way and that, can't we? Can't we? You're not going to leave me hung out to dry here, are you? You know you're acting in the flesh when you look this way and that way, right? Well, this is what Moses does on this occasion. And, and he, he not only beats up on this uh, Egyptian slave driver, uh, but he kills him when he sees the injustice of, of the treatment. That he's dishing out to this poor israelite so he kills this uh, this egyptian and uh, you know what it's like just as well as me another opportunity to put your hand up with me if you want you know we we, we don't want our sin to be made known do we? we we want to cover it up don't we i mean that's why adam and eve kind of made cloth coverings for themselves when they covered their nakedness their shame their guilt we we all try and do that don't we and we do many different things to try and do that. Well, we're here, Moses attempts to cover up his sin, his failure, by, by burying the Egyptian taskmaster in the sand. If you've ever tried to bury something in the sand, you know, it doesn't kind of behave itself, does it? Yeah. And, uh, and Moses leaves a thumb sticking out. I can remember my mum always saying to me as a boy, you know, when, you know the countless times when I kind of did something wrong, I broke a window or whatever it might have been. And, uh, you know, be sure your sin would find you out. I'm sure that was my mother's favorite Bible verse. You know, Be sure your sin will find you out, she would say to me. Well, Moses didn't have to wait long before his, his sin was found out. And uh, kind of a, a prophetic word the next day when, uh, when Moses goes uh, back to his own people, the Hebrews, and he sees two of them fighting with each other. And he asks the one in the wrong, "Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew?" And the reply is, "Who made you ruler and judge over us?" Well, wasn't that a prophetic word? Moses identifies in his heart with the Hebrews, and he he kind of senses in his spirit that he's God's man to lead God's people out of Egypt but he was acting here in the flesh. And he ends up killing this Egyptian, and his failure leads to him fleeing Egypt. Imagine Moses instantly demoted from the prince of Egypt to a vagabond in the wilderness. He was there by the Nile where there was plenty of food and not to mention water. And, and then he goes off to Midian, fleeing from Pharaoh because his sin had become known. He'd, his heart, he'd betrayed his own heart. His heart was for God's people, not for Pharaoh. And in a moment, his life is turned upside down. And everything that was for him as the prince of Egypt is now no more. I wonder whether you and I can identify with Moses. Because life can change, can't it? Just, just like that. Maybe a car accident. Bad news from the doctor. A spouse slams the door in your face. Your employer says, don't bother coming back tomorrow. Life can change, can't it? Just in a moment. And that's what happened for Moses. He was self-sufficient. He was probably, I guess, a, a proud man, a man of status and influence, a man of authority and power. And now he's stripped back to nothing. He could have uh, been forgiven for thinking that God had abandoned him in that moment. What do you think? Because it's kind of easy to celebrate and praise and give thanks to God when the sun's shining down upon us in our Egypt, isn't it? You know, when we've got everything that we want and everything we need. God has not abandoned Moses at this time and if this kind of Moses experience somehow this morning describes your situation or circumstances then rest assured that God has not abandoned you either I said last week if you if you just remember one thing I I think I said something like this remember that what did I say Difficult times do not erase God's promises, all right? And God is still looking today for people who will trust him through difficult times. That described Israel, didn't it? This week, if you were to just remember one thing, remember this. Because it kind of sums up in a sentence my whole message. Preachers are quite good at doing that, aren't they? They've got one sentence, and they kind of drag it out for 30 minutes or more. Well, Well, here's my big idea this morning, all right? God is faithful even when we are not. All right? That's this morning's message to each and every one of us, myself included. God is faithful even when we are not. Moses messes up. There's no way that we can justify, substantiate, or defend Murder Is there? He was in the wrong, right? And his failure sees him disappear into the wilderness of Midian where it's radically different from the pleasures and the luxuries and the abundance that he knew in Egypt at Pharaoh's table. In a moment... Everything has changed, and everything is stripped away from Moses. And God is there in the wilderness place. He's there in Egypt too, because he's everywhere, right? You take a read of Psalm 139, there's nowhere that we can go from God's presence. He's he's there. Nothing we can do can separate us from the love of Christ that is in Christ Jesus, right? That's Paul's testimony and yours and mine by the grace of God. And now here, Moses sits down by a well in the wilderness place. And that speaks of hope, doesn't it? A well in the wilderness... Be still and know that I am God. That's a command from the Lord himself, isn't it, to us? And here Moses is still. In my ministry over the years, I've had the opportunity to go into prisons. I, sometimes I've been in prison. You know, People kind of look at you a bit strange. But, uh, but maybe someone here has been in prison. I don't know. But in the prison wing where people are serving a relatively short sentence, life is kind of different in that community, in, in that space. But if you go into the, the prison wing, where people there are serving a life sentence, then the pace of kind of the rhythm of everything is it's kind of kind of frozen almost. Do you know what I mean? You know, there's kind of like a a little bit of enthusiasm about the future for those that are serving relatively short sentences, but for those that are in there for 20-plus years, the kind of pace and rhythm of life in that prison wing, well, it's kind of just slow-mo. And I remember being pointed to, to a seat in the lifer's prison wing on one occasion, where those serving out a life sentence upon their arrival would be told to go and sit just to kind of kind of pause and kind of just think, kind of learn in that moment to begin to adapt to their circumstances. You know that seat for me, that's kind of a big moment, isn't it? You know, imagine if you were in that situation, on that seat. Well, you know, I, I kind of say all that just to say that Moses, I just want to underline the fact that Moses had to sit down. He sat down by a well, and I guess in that moment, he contemplated his past, his failure, and now his future. You know, I guess the whole kind of gravity, the weight of his failure and his his circumstantial kind of life change, kind of just kind of hit him there, and he had to deal with that at the well. That's Moses' second Exodus. His first was out from his parents' home into. Pharaoh's home, and now his second exodus is when he has to flee Egypt and he runs into the wilderness space. That's his second exodus. Don't miss that. Because, God willing, in these next few moments, we'll see that God took that wilderness opportunity of 40 years in that dry and arid place to train and to prepare his man or the deliverance of his own people, Israel. Because no experience is ever wasted in God's economy. Now, whatever your failure, whatever my failure, God has a purpose in it, and through it. He's not surprised when we mess up. Someone once told me a Christian pastor once told me, "We live in a 90% world, and that's kind of uh, being generous, really. You know, if you can achieve 90% in anything, you're doing really well. Yeah, you know, me, I'd about 20%. You know, I'm sure the scorecards will go up at the end of the sermon, and you'll you'll be about 20%. 90%. Remember, we're just dust, right?" So don't be too hard on yourself. You know, we're just dust. We live in a 90% world. So here is Moses in the wilderness place, sitting down by a well, contemplating his failure, contemplating his past, and contemplating his future. We've all been there, haven't we? Sitting down by a well. What have I done? How did I get here? Is there any hope for me going forward? We've all been there, right? You know, the exams didn't go how we planned or hoped they would, and what now? We sit down by a well. That's a good place to be. You know, God wants us holy. When we sit down by a well, the very least we could say is that we are separated out. <laughs> like, you know, we've got time to contemplate, time to think. To do business with God. It's in those moments that we do business with God most, isn't it? So here is Moses sitting down by a well. And he does for these seven daughters of the priest of Midian what he will later in 40 years' time do for Israel. rescues them. He provides water for them. Throughout the wilderness, wanderings sort of, after the burning bush experience, uh, you know, Moses will protect God's people the same kind of way that he protected these daughters. He will provide for them, and that's just what he does here. Everything in the wilderness that God does with and in and through Moses is preparation for what God will do for Moses, through Moses, having led God's People out from Egypt. So this is all preparation for Moses. With God there is always hope in a future, right? But when you sat down on that seat by your well, and you sat next to Moses, it doesn't kind of seem like that, does it, very often. But know that God is always for us and never against us. Imagine Moses then the prince of Egypt in Midian. He has to occupy for 40 years a place of obscurity in the shadows. He becomes a shepherd, doesn't he? What was the one thing that we're told the Egyptians really didn't like? Shepherds, right? And what is Moses doing? Shepherding. And you know what? Moses probably isn't even a very good shepherd. He probably wouldn't have been taught how to do shepherding back in Egypt, would he? Because the Egyptians despised shepherds. And being so prominent and so great of status in in Egypt, here he is in the wilderness of Midian and he's not even tending his own flock. The sheep don't belong to Moses. Who do they belong to? The father-in-law, right? Anybody here got a father-in-law? I mean, how kind of humiliating is all of this for Moses, the prince of Egypt? God's doing business with this guy, isn't he? He's stripping Moses back of all of his pride, all of his selfishness. His status has been removed. And he's just occupying obscurity. That's a place. And in the wilderness of Midian, it was dry. The conversation wouldn't have been great either, would it? Imagine, you know, waking up. What would get Moses out of bed on a Monday morning? You know, I've got to go and kick some sheep around the wilderness place. And the conversation... Non existent. Did he have a radio? No. And there he is leading sheep. <laughs> you know. And he's doing this for 40 years. Just kind of think about that for a moment. I mean, we're back in prison, aren't we? 40 years. You know, Moses serves a jail sentence here in the wilderness place. Talking to sheep that he doesn't own. Kicking stones in the sand. His lips are cracked and dry. His appearance probably unkempt. You know, sheep don't care whether you shave or not, you know. No one to impress. He's just isolated. And every day God is educating him in his university, preparing him, training him, leading him, guiding him. And everything is just routine. It's a Tuesday morning and it's half past 10. He's already eaten his sandwiches that Zipporah has lovingly prepared for him. Right? You know what it's like to have eaten your sandwiches by 11 o'clock? You know, right? And he says, what now? You know? I mean, for Moses, what other highlight would there have been in his day? It's an ordinary, regular kind of Tuesday morning. I'm guessing it was a Tuesday. I like to think it was a Tuesday. Just regular routine, mundane knows what that's like. Yeah? You're not supposed to have mundane days. (laughs) It's an ordinary day. And he finds himself on the far side of the desert. He's come to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there, just out the corner of his eye, he sees this bush that's on fire. And I imagine it probably wasn't uh, an extraordinary kind of experience to see a bush ignite you know it 's kind of real dry out there, and, and this kind of thing does happen from time to time, apparently, but something was kind of strange about this particular bush. What was strange about it it, did, it didn 't burn up you know it 's just like the flame is just kind of ongoing it's he kind of thinks, well, this is a bit of a An extraordinary kind of deal. You know, Moses could have said, well, I don't really care. I'm deep in conversation about current affairs with my sheep, and I'm just going to mooch on round the back of the mountain. But he decides to go over, doesn't he, and see this strange sight, why this bush does not burn up. And we're told that God sees him make a move towards the bush. God has many in varied ways, doesn't He, of getting our attention in life. Can you think of how God has dealt with you in the past? How does God get our attention? But if, if He wants your attention and mine, we'll know it. But He won't compete with anything or anyone in our experience. He's not in the competition business. He he wants us to turn aside to do business with him because we desire that for ourselves. He's not in the competition business. Moses decides to go and approach this bush that is not consumed. And the Lord sees that he goes over to look and he calls to him within the bush. Moses Moses and his response here I am don't come any closer God says because this is holy ground take off your sandals because the place where you're standing is holy and in verse 6 of Exodus chapter 3 God says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, and at this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Remember this morning that God is the covenant keeping God. What did I say that you should remember if you remember nothing else? Remember that God is faithful even, even when we are not. And We need to read this in the context of of God's covenant promise to Abraham, Genesis chapter 15. Uh, Genesis chapter 15. Words God declares, solemn words to Abraham. Know for certain. This is Genesis 15, verse 13. Know for certain. that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and ill-treated 400 years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. God willing, we're getting there over these next couple of weeks. But I want you to know, wherever you're at in your experience with God this morning, maybe you sat down by a well and everything in your life has kind of collapsed around you and you find yourself in that wilderness place. Know that God is faithful. And you and I may be in that wilderness place because of some kind of failure or neglect on our part. You know, our actions have consequences, don't they? You know, we learn that. I learned that throwing stones at windows. But we all throw our stones from time to time and consequences kind of follow us close behind. But know this morning that God loves you, that you're never out of his sight, that he cares for you more than you and I could ever know, that he is the covenant-keeping God. Let me just close by reminding you of what it says towards the end of chapter 2 of Exodus. From verse 23. Concerning Moses' time in the Midian wilderness. During that long period, we read, the king of Egypt died. That's Pharaoh. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. What God has promised, God will do. He keeps his promises. He's the covenant-keeping God. He's your God, my God. He is for you, not against you maybe this morning you sense a burning bush in your experience and maybe God is leading you to be the deliverer of someone who knows maybe you do maybe we could seek God for ourselves and find ourselves in this story and know that he has not abandoned us, that he has a future for us. It's good, because he is good. Thanks for listening.